Hello everyone, welcome to Rogue Opinions with a special podcast looking at NXT TakeOver 25. I'm Scott and I'm joined once again by my partner from Dull or Nothing, the Bobby Fish to my Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, it's Carl, hi man. Hey, how's it going? Hey, I like that, I quite like Bobby Fish. <laughs> Not as cool uh, as Kyle O'Reilly, but... Well, I think each member of the Undisputed Era is cool in their own way. They are, Definitely. I could have, I could say the uh, the Angelo Dawkins sign Montez Ford. I wasn't sure if you'd prefer that. <laughs> no, no, we'll we'll stick with Bobby Fish, I think. <laughs> but yeah, as I say, we were here to talk about uh, Takeover Twenty Five. One, of, like the first Takeover, if I'm right, since uh, Takeover Respect in late twenty fifteen. No, actually, I think it's the first time since twenty fifteen. I can't remember which Takeover it was that hasn't had a pay per view following the Takeover. Yeah, it's uh, quite different for me. I've I've only been watching um, NXT for a couple of years now, so they've they've always followed a well been before a pay per view, should I say? Yeah, it's kind of divided fans because a lot of people find it weird. Like they're not used because they're not used to pay per view, but some people think it works to kind of NXT's advantage that like they don't need to try and top anything that's going to well, more often not they don't need to try. They kind of do it without trying. Well, yeah, it might help uh, main roster pay-per-views because they haven't got such a hard act to follow as well. Well, I don't think they all have a hard act. I mean, have you not heard of it? Super Show Network's going to exceed WrestleMania, apparently. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes, by all accounts. Yeah, as they remind you every moment. Uh, before we get into the show, uh, did you watch the pre-show? I didn't, know. Yeah, there's often not really the make much use for it and basically not want to listen to Pat McAvee but I did hear that on Twitter from someone that they tweeted that Tommaso was going to be on it so I tuned in simply to hear him uh, he joined the panel for when they came to the main event uh, he got up on the table at one point to listen to the crowd cheer me he still had the neck brace on but he says he's cleared for non-impact activity or something like that so like this is only 12 weeks after his surgery, so and according to Triple H, he is ahead of schedule, but he does have a, a, week, a week to go. Yeah, so probably some sort of working out and uh, like maybe a bit of like bodybuilding or something. Yeah, he definitely is a, a while away from taking any significant bumps, but the fact that he said he is cleared for that 12 weeks later when the initial diagnosis, I believe, said 6 to 14 months was recovery time, so... They does seem to be ahead of schedule, but hopefully we can, we won't be too long because he's he's bounced back from injuries before. Yeah, hopefully we'll see him back in the ring sooner rather than later. Yeah, and uh, he did uh, hint that he was coming for the title. His goal days, he refers to it, and he did say that Gargano in terms of his title, and he said if any, there's going to be anybody to hold on to it while I'm out, it's going to be him. And he did send a tweet out to the winner of the main event, just a simple gif of his famous wave. <laughs> uh, a clear message sent. But we'll jump into the main show. And the uh, the opening package was what you'd expect. Essentially, looking back at the history of takeovers, going back to 2014, was the Curtain rival arrival, which wasn't an official takeover. But uh, the reason... Uh, Recent opening package were in Connecticut, and you can clearly see why they wanted to call it Takeover 25 rather than Takeover Connecticut. Yeah, 
Sounds yeah. a lot better, doesn't it? Yeah, and uh, kind of a smaller scale like, arena than used to, kind of similar to the arena that you used for Evolution. The uh, not a lot of the audience was lit up. It was mainly kind of dark in the top areas of the arena, and and their commentary team is Mar and Ella, Nigel McInnes and Beth Phoenix, who at the last taping took over full time from uh, for Percy Watson. Uh, do you have any thoughts on uh, how Beth did as a commentator? Um, I still don't think she's really getting it just yet, to be honest. She's mm-hmm. she's improving slightly, but um, I am missing Percy. I can't deny. Yeah. Sometimes forget Beth is there, and then she'll pop up with some random quote that doesn't really mean anything. But hopefully, she'll get you know get better as it goes along. Yeah, uh, it's always a struggle when you have a third person on the team because you've got your main play-by-play person and you've got your your person in the role of kind of the heel figure and uh, you know the play-by-play commentator is usually a face anyway so all you're doing is another extra face who is just really there to get kind of mocked almost by uh, the heel commentator which is really what old Percy really did to that and uh, mark out whenever the Street Profits came in that's all he really brought to the deal but I thought Beth was okay they've definitely been worse like third man commentators like fucking Booker T anybody yeah <laughs> or that bloke from King of the Ring nine, is it 95 King of the Ring 95 or 94 I think it was 94 yeah Art Bartlett that was it yeah his line how much this guy we've made famous by Botchamania I'm, I'm old enough to have watched that live and thought what the hell is this guy doing <laughs> yeah. I, only, I only know of the line as I said because uh, it lives in infamy thanks to the intro to Botchamania <laughs> he did basically he did actually ask that about everyone he didn't have a clue what was going on it was a strange decision yeah but uh, we'll move into the action now uh, we have the original bro Matt Riddle against the Messiah of the Backbreaker and one fourth of the Undisputed Era Roderick Strong before we talk about the match what are your thoughts on this as a choice for opener because usually uh, NXT would open with uh, a tag match usually yeah, I think it was a good choice for opener. Um, the tag match was the ladder match, so I don't think you wanted to start with with that one. To be fair, so um, yeah, I think they made the right call. To be honest, yeah, I was surprised uh, the ladder match film because I figured wherever the ladder match was, it would probably be a hard match to follow. Because you look at uh, Takeover New Orleans when they opened with the North American title match and. The, the women's title match had to follow it, and it was not a not an easy task for them. No, definitely not. Uh, I remember at the time being kind of perplexed as to why this would open, but I think it really picked up because uh, I think it's more fast paced when a tag match opens it, whereas this was something different. You had uh, Roderick Strong uh, doing what he does best and going after the back of of Matt Riddle. That was after uh, Matt Riddle made his entrance and flicked his. Uh, He's flip-flopped right in the direction of, of Roderick yeah, Strong. Yeah, I popped to that. That was uh, <laughs> that was a nice little move there by Riddle. Yeah, I almost, uh, almost looked away and missed it. But it was a cool one and obviously almost a bit of retribution for when uh, Strong stole one of Riddle's flip-flops after attacking him outside of Failsail. But as I said, Strong goes after the back after he drops Riddle back first across the... Uh, the ring apron, which is a little known, a little known fact, is apparently the hardest part of the ring. What? You pull in my leg on, yeah. 
Yeah, never before heard information until this past Saturday. <laughs> oh, I mean, that, uh, no, I can't say I've heard that one before. There you go. Every day is a school day. <laughs> but, uh, and Roger does what he does best. He goes after the back. He uh, seems to put, uh, do a variation of the old, Chris Jericho's old move, the line to him, which is kind of like the walls, but uh, kind of bent at an angle with the knee and the back to apply more pressure. And uh, people forget how good of a striker I think Roderick Strong is. Like, we know also Matt Riddle has that down, uh, being the former UFC fighter, but Roderick Strong was bringing it as well with the hard forearms and the knees. He was dishing out in this match. Uh, what were your thoughts? I really enjoyed this match. I thought Riddle and Strong seemed to have really good chemistry with each other because at times it got quite fast-paced. And, um, yeah, they were, you know, going for moves and countering each other and yeah it had a really good flow to the match I thought um yeah I agree with you with Strong he's, he's so good he just he just doesn't really have that sort of star look does he that's what really yeah. that holds him that's what holds him back yeah it's weird I think a lot of people don't know what to expect with this match because it does seem kind of a random pairing but uh it's weird because you don't know what to expect because I don't think these two have ever fought before because I believe Matt Riddle had only been on the Indies three or four years before being signed to NXT and around the time he would have been starting, uh, Roderick Strong would have signed with NXT so I'm pretty sure if they didn't really mention it but I believe this may actually be in a rare kind of first time ever match and this will become an even rarer nowadays. Yeah, and, everyone tends to meet each other at some point, don't they, before they get to WWE. But, yeah, as far as I know, they've not met before either. Yeah, and uh, hopefully now that they have met WWE, they don't do the traditional WWE thing where they face 20 more times until you never want to see them wrestle again. <laughs> they don't tend to do that too much on NXT. That's They'll save that for the main roster, I think. Yeah, uh, and Riddle, he... He kind of got worn down by Strong again with the back and all that, and it did, did make it difficult for Riddle to apply the bro mission. So we had to kind of think of a new way. We had a kind of a cradle version of uh, of the tombstone, and that was enough to pick up the win. They also at one point busted out the, the go to sleep, then transitioned that into a raging germ, which wasn't enough to get the win, which is weird. I hate it when stuff that used to be a finisher is a finisher for someone else who kind of uses a a transitional move for somebody else. Yeah, they do. That probably is my um, well dip pick with NXT. They they do kick out a lot of um, finishers or moves that used to be finishers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cause like the, the move that was used a few times. I mean, the Oshikaroshi, the fireman's carry over the and the back of the head across the knee. It's used as transitional moves for some wrestlers, whereas there are other wrestlers that use that. It's kind of a finisher, which is always confusing to me. But uh, what do you think of uh, Riddle kind of Riddle winning this match? Yeah, I thought it was um, pretty nailed in that Riddle would go over in this match, especially considering he lost at the last takeover to Velveteen Dream. Uh, didn't know what to make of his finisher, to be honest. It, I mean, as you say, after Strong kicked out of the um, go to sleep and. Um, German suplex combination. That move, I think he called it like the Bro Derek or something. It, it didn't look that. It didn't look that impactful, really. Uh, it's a bit of an odd-looking move, but 
overall, I, it was a really fun match. I enjoyed it. Yeah, and I don't think we've actually seen him use it too often before now, and it's even rarer nowadays that anybody in WWE other than The Undertaker is able to use a kind of a tombstone variation, but I see what you mean, and I, I did, it does seem kind of obvious that he would, he would win having lost at the last Eagle, but I think he's he's avoided the whole thing of somebody comes into WWE or NXT and kind of looks up, loses a bit of their luster with their first loss because Dreamcast scraped by and luckily managed to roll him up at the last takeover. And I think it's going to be his character more interesting now that he's lost because he can show more vulnerability. It's not just one of these guys who just comes in to NXT off the Indies and just wins all the time, which is to used to do a lot back in the day. Yeah, and it seems to do more harm than good winning streaks as well in the in yeah. the long run. Because whenever they lose, it's never the right time or person to lose to, and everyone goes up in arms about it, don't they? So yeah, yeah, we can look at Asuka as a prime example. She was undefeated for her entire NXT run, and then uh, a few months in the main roster, she loses, and well, she don't think she's ever been the same. No, it took Goldberg a really long time to recover back in. Uh, the late 90s when he first lost as well. Yeah, and we go into the next match, the match we referenced at the start, uh, the NXT tag team title ladder match. The tag team titles have been vacant when the Viking Raiders, experienced War Raiders, whatever you want to call them this week, uh, vacate the titles due to a lack of competition on their face claimed and the fact that they were drafted to Raw as the Street Profits against the Forgotten Sons versus Larkin and Birch versus the Undisputed Era represented by Fish and O'Reilly. Uh, before we talk about the match, what did you think of the Viking Raiders kind of just dropping the belts, uh, relinquishing them rather than losing them? Um, well, I suppose they want to keep them strong for main roster now. They've already been called up as champions, so they didn't want them losing to anyone on NXT so I can I can kind of understand it it was just weird the way they did it because they were going to and then they decided to fend them against uh, street profits but then there was loads of interference so um, uh, I think it was thrown out wasn't it a non-finish yeah and then it was announced on um, online that they um, uh, relinquished the titles, which was which was quite strange. I thought they were still champions, and then it was announced online, which was a bit anticlimactic. And I've also heard um, rumours that Vacant is looking to sign with AEW with AEW because <laughs> he was left he was left out of the match. Yeah, well, at least until August thirty first, he is current Vacant is currently the AEW champion by all by all accounts. So he's doing well for himself now. But I do yeah, yes. Yeah. Straight into a new promotion, and he's champion already. I mean, not to be sniffed at, really. <laughs> uh, I do agree. Like they probably want to keep them strong, but my thinking was, I think you could have put them, kept them on until this match, and then took the belts off and had them in the ladder match. Therefore, they don't have to be pinned or submitted to to lose. Because they haven't really been on Raw in the last no. few weeks, have they? I was going to say, they seem to have disappeared without a trace. Like, uh, a lot of um, talent has now. They've introduced this wild card malarkey. Yeah, because I think you could have swapped them in for taking Lorcan and Birch out, because as much as I like them, I think they two are definitely the least likely out of the four uh, to win, because 
the Undisputed Era had more of a chance of winning, I think, because of the whole like proclamation from Adam Cole that this year they would all be draped in gold and having two of the two like three out of the four involved in title matches, that would have been a, a good start. But yeah, I actually think Lorcan and Burt should be the ones to take the tag titles off the grizzled young veterans, to be honest. I think they could I think they could do quite well on the, the NXT UK scene. Yeah, they were good. I think they did have a match there. The Grizzled Young Vets' first defence was against them. Yeah. Uh, it was a good match, so I definitely would like to see a rematch. But going into this, I think for me, the strong favourites were the Street Profits who came out were very over and they even made their entrance going through the crowd as well. Yeah, he had a like a crown on, didn't he, uh, Montez Ford? Yeah. I'm, I'm getting more and more into him as the more I see him. He seems to improve with every match for me. He's, he's getting to be quite a good talent. Yeah, I remember not being a really the biggest fan of Street Profits when they first debuted. I think over time of they've grown on me and I think that episode where they took on the Viking Raiders when the Viking Raiders really pushed the belts, I think of that if you're not a fan of the Street Profits, that would be the episode that gets you into them because they came out, they confronted them and they called them the Viking Raiders and then Angela Dawkins uh, said if that even is your real name. Oh yeah, I popped for that. That was just brilliant, that, that line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we've talked about the build-up and the uh, titles being vacated a lot. Let's, let's get into the actual match. What did you think of it as a match? Because... This could easily have been a great match or like kind of a cluster with all the different guys involved. What do you think? Yeah, I actually thought it was a great match. I thought it was well booked um, and well put together. There were some really good spots. I mean, poor poor Kyle O'Reilly. Oh. <laughs> he, he must have been sore the next morning, the, the battering he took. Yeah, I mean, first off, he had the spot where I believe it was the Forgotten Sons pushed the ladders. He and Fish were going to claim and he, his back landed on the edge of the ladder, and then later on, Fish gets knocked off, and he lands right on, on Kyle's back, to which Morrow yells at the top of his lungs, they just killed Kyle. <laughs> and yeah, and there's that spot where he was powerbombed into the ladder as well, while Bobby Fish was climbing it. That that was a that was a different spot. I've not seen that one done before. Yeah, and there are a couple of things where, as there's any of these yeah, ladder matches, there are spots where you can clearly tell they're kind of they have a planned spot, and it takes a bit of setup because uh, Fish and O'Reilly kind of quite early on went to the outside to grab a ladder and try to get the quick, quick win, but they went to about three different ladders before they picked up the one they actually used. So it's almost like we're doing, okay for this spot we need this exact ladder, and they couldn't at first find it, and then yeah, but I believe it was Wesley Blake doing a suicide dive which he pretty much almost headbutts the ladder but, and then while taking them out. And then you have, yeah. and then you have uh, everybody fighting outside and they have the spot of somebody diving on everybody else, which was taken up by Angelo Dawkins of the Street Profits in this occasion. Yeah, that was a mad spot. And another, another spot I popped for was when um, the Forgotten Sons put their heads in the ladder and used it as a battering ram. And then Lorkin and Birch came in from behind and um, German suplexed them. And they looked, they sort of threw the ladder and it went flying in the ring. But I was like panicking at first. I thought, Christ, if they landed the ladder still there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, that made me quite nervous, especially because of how the ladder flew. And like, you didn't, we weren't sure how far that was going to go. Yeah. And I think you had another live pop from, uh, 
Ronaldo, didn't you? That that, that standard fishes Korea or Kyle or Kyle Riley's one of them, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, speaking of Kyle, he uh, once again another one of those famous like facial expressions from because you can see him wickedly trying, wickedly trying to claim the the ladder, and then you see the expression on his face as he can see Jackson Riker, the kind of the muscle, the forgotten sons making his way down to the ring. Yeah, I thought that was it when he got involved. I thought, oh no, the, the Forgotten Sons are going to win this now. And the, for me, they're probably the most boring of the of the four teams, to be honest. Yeah, and he comes in, he kind of clears out, and yet it takes, it kind of took forever for the Forgotten Sons to actually take advantage of the fact that he was kind of taking everybody out, which kind of made the, uh, the fact that he took everybody out and then they all kind of ganged off at him before the Forgotten Sons really got back involved, kind of. You know, lessen the impact of him even coming out in the first place. Yeah, it looks like they really want to get Riker over because he took a fair bit of punishment and still kept getting up, didn't he? So it looks like they've got plans for Jackson Riker. Yeah, and uh, you know, he did kind of miss his cue at one point because uh, the uh, sorry, I'll start that again. He kind of missed his cue at one point because. Christian O'Reilly happened with the ladder, he sent them off the apron, but he still kind of stands on the outside. They go ahead, dock in, sorry, forward with it. He ducks in, just dives over the top, but Riker was a bit too far out, which means he just barely caught uh, Dawkins. I think Dawkins may have hit the back of his head on the on the floor on the outside, and then when it was Lorcan starting to do this, a similar spot, he made sure he was in position that time. Yeah. That was a, that was a good bit of... Um wrestling that was to be fair the, yeah. the two pays and mm-hmm. and whatnot and to Jackson Riker yeah and again the Winston's would get involved towards the finish it did look like typical like the person's be on the outside for quite a while and then they'd come back in and take advantage because you had uh, Lorcan and Birch on the ladder as well as Fish and O'Reilly and then Winston's push over both ladders and it was just the two in the ring and then you have Dawkins dive under ladder and take out one of them with a spear and then Ford springs off the ropes and lands on the other side of the ladder knocking I can't remember if it was Cutler or Blade one off the ladder and then he pulls down both belts much to the fans but the fans all that because it seemed to be anybody they wanted anybody but the Forgotten Sons to uh, to win this match I think I think they perhaps felt that as well with the booking that's probably why they, they booked it like that to make it look like they're about to win to get a yeah. bigger pop for the eventual winners. And I thought that jump from the turnbuckle by Ford onto the ladder was brilliant. It was just picture perfect. He landed so steadily, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, I should mention I thought I liked earlier. I believe they did the Forgotten Sons where they were both claiming the ladder and then they would be put on the shoulder one of them would be put on the shoulders of uh, of Lorcan and then Birch would hit an uppercut, send him flying off the shoulders and then they would, the other the other member of the Forgotten Sons would be hit by a kind of a electric chair blockbuster combo from the Street Profits, which looked really good. Yeah, that was a good spot. That was. Uh, you think it's the right choice for the Street Profits to be the new champions? Uh, actually, I think it is. Um, as I say, Forgotten Sons are pretty boring. I'm not really into those. Birch and Lorcan, as you say, they're. They're probably not quite at that level, and um, Undisputed Era have already held them twice, haven't they? Yeah, uh, 
and that kind of had different combinations because yeah, it was first in O'Reilly and then Fisto injured and then Strong kind of took over for most of the second dream. But uh, so I think it needed somebody new. But I think NXT are a little bit in the same situation as uh, main roster. They they desperately need a couple of new tag teams, really, don't they? Yeah, because I thought it was a shame that Street Profits didn't win in, on that episode that the Viking Raiders tried to relinquish the belts. So I thought it'd be nice if they'd won the titles on that episode, but. I think it was good here because I think this was the right place, the right time, and the right team. And believe it or not, it was uh, Street Profits' first takeover. Yeah, which is really because Dawkins, especially, he's been in developmental for quite a while now, but he only just now found the character that kind of works for him. Yeah, he does yeah. seem to play off Montez Ford really well, to be fair. They are, they are, they're a pretty good combination. Yeah, I think it was quite similar to American Alpha because Jordan was in NXT for ages, couldn't find anything that worked. And then once he was paired with Chad Gable, that's when he finally kind of showed his potential, I believe. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a reason why tag teams can be so important. They can hide competitors' weaknesses while they um, find ways to improve or work around them, and it can help people with their confidence. I mean, look how it. Helped um, Io Shirai to be paired with Kyrie Sane for a bit. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't remember. I don't, know, I don't remember if it was after this match or after the next one, but they showed uh, a vignette hyping up the debut of a future uh, superstar, Damien Priest. Uh, yeah. Are you aware of this? Actually, yeah, I saw that. I, I, I think it's um, Punishment Martez's new gimmick from from what yeah. I've been hearing. Yeah, that's what I've heard as well. Uh, he, has, he did have one match as Punishment Martinez on an episode of NXT. He lost to uh, to Matt Riddle, and now he's got this new name. You don't really see much of him. You just see him skulking about the dark, getting uh, the tattoos. I actually accidentally skipped uh, through this because I was a few minutes behind on the network, so I skipped uh, after the uh, after the, tag, the Street Profits won and the other celebrations, so I skipped ahead of it. And I always heard about the vignette on Twitter and had to go back the next day and watch it. Yeah, it's pretty much what you described. It's nothing major, but it looks like he, he might get a proper push now as uh, Damien Priest. Yeah, uh, I've only seen a, a couple handful of his matches in, uh, in Ring of Honor. Uh, I believe he was a former TV champion. He, he lost in his last match to Jeff Cobb. And he kind of... He has a look of a uh, old school like Baron Corbin around him when Corbin had the long hair, but I think he's more agile and better in the ring than uh, than Corbin. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see when he makes his uh, proper TV debut. Yeah, I could see him like maybe having kind of a, almost a kind of a debut like enhancement match at the, the next takeover, kind of like how they'd been hyping up Black for eight months before he debuted on a takeover when he beat uh, Andrade. Cause they haven't done yeah. I haven't really debuted someone in a match on TakeOver in quite a while. Yeah, they could do that. It'd be it'd be different, as you say, because it hasn't been done for a fair bit, but we'll have to see. Yeah, uh, but move into the match. I think I was most excited for it, along with the other match, which was the Velveteen Dream defending his NXT North American title against Prince Pretty, Tyler Breeze. But Before we talk to the match, what did you think of uh, Tyler Breeze returning to NXT? Well, it, it was a bit of a non-event for me because uh, I started watching NXT after Breeze had already gone up to main roster. 
Um, pretty much, and really done a lot on main roster. So I haven't wasn't a really big fan of Breeze, to be fair. But but this match changed my mind. I have to admit, I saw a lot more from him in this one match than I have on his entire tenure and main roster. So sort of tells you what sort of a poor job they're doing on Raw and SmackDown. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of on the opposite end with you in that I had been watching when he was around, like, I remember I was watching a, a lot in, like, 2014, and that was kind of when Breeze was at his peak from, like, 2014 to 2015. And it wasn't until after this segment he had with the Dream on NXT that I remembered how much similar to the Dream he was, like, He's a guy who had this character that was over, but you know, when it came to takeover, even though he'd have a really good match, he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't win that often. Like he was on the very first takeover, he defeated uh, Sami Zayn on the very first takeover. Go forget it, the first Brooklyn takeover, he had a match with Jushin Thunder Liger and Liger's only WWE match, and uh, he had a match with Apollo Crews at Takeover Respect, which I believe was his last match, and. NXT before he was called up and in my opinion still Cruz's best match in WWE. <laughs> he's obviously a lot better than I thought he was, as I say, because he's not really shown me a lot on main roster, but he was really good. And as a as a a fan of Breeze and someone who saw him back in the day, what did you think of his ring attire? Because it was a lot darker, he didn't have the, yeah. the fur boots and what have you, did he? It's a, a lot more of a serious serious looking demeanour about him. Yeah, I think, I think he was trying to portray the idea that while he's, he's still Prince Pretty and all that, he is also trying to be a bit serious. He's here to kind of like re-energise his career and that he's coming for, he was coming for the title and to me it's really just weird seeing him with short hair rather than I mean, something like the long, the long blonde hair. Yeah, I think he's always had reasonably short hair when I've seen him but I yeah, could be wrong. My memory's not always the best. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I did like his his promo in NXT with the Dream Exchange, where he had the line, "When you put your number on your gear and no one calls you, it means they're not interested." Yeah, that that was a good line. Yeah, that was a good kind of close line. And it's weird how how well they've been able to build it with like two weeks. Well, they had that, and then. The, the promo package where Dream was using a selfie stick. Yeah, because I think the original plan was Dream versus Dominic Dijakovic by the way they were building that, building them on their NXT TV. But then he got an injury, didn't he, Dijakovic? Yeah, sure, however you say his surname. It's yeah. one name. It's one name I can't wait for Vince to get rid of when he, when he yeah. goes up. <laughs> yeah, there's way too many consonants in that. It's a it would be a nightmare on countdown. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think uh, in between the like two sets of tapings between WrestleMania and this, I believe between the first two, between those two, he got injured because they were building it quite heavily in the first set, and then there was very little mention of it after that. And they kind of either they had to rush the build with Breeze, who according to Triple H, as it was announced a few days before Tiger that Breeze would be. Wrestling kind of full time now, NXT for the future, which made me think that he was actually going to win the title, even if for a while before dropping it back to Dream to kind of keep this going for a while. But alas, that was not the case. But before we get into that, what do you think of the match overall? Again, a, a great match, a really strong show in from 
from both competitors and Breeze for the first time since I've been watching him really showed what he could do. I was I was really surprised by how smooth and how smooth he was and some of the moves he put together. It just shows you how much they seem to strip them down and limit them when they go to main roster. Yeah, and uh, I really like that. I noted that in, like, in the first couple of minutes of the match, he already showed more than he had in like two years in the main roster, like wrestling wise. And he was busting like he had he was he was going for the unprettier kind of uh, the former name for the kill switch Christians. I'm sure I think it better suits the name unprettier kind of better suits somebody with Breeze's gimmick. He, yeah, I didn't even know he did that move to be honest until until I watched it. Yeah, I, I think he's. I remember him using it once or twice. I'd forgotten that he used it until until here, and you could kind of tell that Breeze, uh, sorry, the Dream was getting more and more frustrated during that because I think he kind of dismissed Tyler as kind of a kind of a failure having to yeah. come back to NXT, but he was getting more and more kind of frustrated, like the tactics that he, he has to do towards the end where. He, he distracts Tyler with the belt, or at one point he takes a selfie with Tyler, saying that this is the closest you'll get to the belt. Yeah. <laughs> the distraction with the referee trying to put the belt back allows Dream to catch him with the Dream Valley driver and the Purple Rainmaker for the win. But and it was kind of thing where I liked both of them, but I was only just by a small bit that I wanted Breeze to win uh, more because, like I said, he's done the first take for him for him to come back and finally win. A championship, I think, as a moment, would be really good. Yeah, I mean, I still wanted Dream to win, but Breeze really did win me over in this match. And um, he, Dream in the early goings, he broke out a lion salt. Did you? Did you catch that? Yeah, I caught that. That along with the uh, the lion tamer earlier on, like one of them could probably just be like, I probably could have been looking too much into it, but the. The lion salt kind of made me think otherwise, and especially mm. Dream kind of is known for being a bit of a troll. Especially his latest tweet, where he, where he just basically called out AEW saying, "Follow that." Yeah, and then he had to take it down. I think well, yeah. he, he took it down anyway. And I like the yeah. way Breeze um, can roll rolls through while his opponent's on the floor and gets mm-hmm. back up, and then nails the um, Dream Valley driver. He's get. You know, he's getting very smooth and smooth with that. He's he's another one that seems to get better every time. And yeah. at twenty three, he's you know, he's, he's got the world in his hands really. Yeah, and he also at one point hit uh, he used the unprettier on Tyler, which I really liked uh, using his opponent move against him. But uh this maybe is the one this may be me, but I was kinda of disappointed with Dream's gear because he's kind of been known for his entrances as much as he's wrestling because like he said, like gear related to his opponents. Like we had the Prince Puma pants for Ricochet, or when he came out in kind of the Hulk, the Hulk Hogan style with like the black and white. Whereas this one just kind of seemed like a basic gear that he would have worn for like a TV match. I would have thought he would kind of either go for something AEW related or come out in a police style uniform because of to reference Tyler's time as a fashion police and the fact that he said that Breeze was too busy on Monday and Tuesday playing cops and robbers. Yeah, it was like gold and sparkly, and it probably stood out more if it wasn't for his other gear sets, as you say, like coming out as Hogan and NWO Hogan and and the Statue of Liberty entrance at the last takeover. So, yeah, yeah it, 
it uh, was a bit underwhelming, really. Yeah, like I said, when you've already had the Statue of Liberty, it's hard to, that's, that's an entrance hard to follow, but hopefully uh, at Toronto, he has, he has something better. Yeah, definitely. And we go from that match into the, we go into the NXT Women's title match. We have Io Shirai versus Shayna Baszler. Like, I really thought you would have won back at the four-way, but well, I, and I thought it was going to happen here as well. Uh, a lot of the thing, the story in the promo package being that Baszler kind of got rid of Sane as well. She's got rid of other people that have kind of said WWE Challenger. It's, she got rid of Ember Moon, Nikki Cross, and now she says that Yoshirai has no friends. And she kind of came out and she kind of left her horsewoman in the back saying she would go at it alone. And for me, one of the best moments in the lead up to this is Yoshirai going mental on the horsewoman with a kendo stick on the go home, I believe it was the go home episode of NXT. Yeah, that was a. That was a good little bit of segment, and uh, it gave uh, Io um, a bit more aggression, and it, it looked like, oh, maybe she could win this. And I, I agree with you. I mean, I'm a I'm a massive Shayna Baszler fan, but I thought it was Io's time to to go over as well. To be honest, yeah, because I'm all for a dominant heel champion, but there comes a point where you almost get to when we're almost running out of contenders because. Before Volter came in at the UK, it was a similar case with Pete Dunne in that they were almost running out of viable, viable contenders. And I thought the way they were hyping up EO, they, I thought they were kind of waiting for her one on one moment and kind of using Kai Sane and getting rid of her. Or they were trying to like kind of show more of her character individually rather than just being Kai Sane's like friend and tag partner. Yeah, I mean, because they were really doubling down on. You know, on the promos and commentary, like you know, the, you know, the, one of the best stars in Japan, and she'd mm-hmm. beaten everybody and came to NXT because she'd done everything she could in Japan, and and they were really putting her over. So it was quite quite surprising the way the match ended in a way. Yeah, but before that, uh, I really liked the match itself with Ken Baszler kind of very early on going for going after the arm, the kind of stomp where she stands, stomps some kind of the elbow. And I think it was smart because it limited a lot of Shirai's offense very early on, and always, always perplexes me when a wrestler has a bit of offense that usually works for them, but they always wait till later on in the match to use it. Whereas Baszler did the smart thing, went for it like right away. Yeah, she does. She always does tend to go for uh, what they call it the reality check, don't they? She always tends to go for it early on in her in her matches. Sometimes she nails it, and sometimes they they manage to get out of it. But it's a uh, it's a good move, especially because um, Dakota Kai, the first person who got it, sold it like a arm had been broken. So yeah, it's uh, a, it's got form as a, a devastating maneuver. Yeah, definitely. And again, with a sore arm, it kind of makes it harder for them to kind of fight out of her chokehold whenever that gets locked yeah. in. But uh, Yo does make a valiant effort, even uh, busting out the six one nine at one point, and they said that. That along with the mask that she wears for entrance is uh, an homage to Rey Mysterio. Yeah, it's a, a favourite wrestler by all accounts. Yeah, and she does manage to put in a good effort despite the arm injury, which leads to uh, the horsewoman coming down to ringside, and then Candice LeRae kind of returns the favour from NXT 
and use the candlestick of her own to take out the, the horse women. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was going to be like the setup for um, Io to to win with the odds being evened out with Candice LeRae coming, but it didn't work out like that. Um, I thought it was a really good transition into the Cura Fida clutch, to be honest. Io trying to go for like a, a technical pin to not Shane her up so she couldn't kick out, but Shane had grabbed her into the Cura Fida clutch and she had her in it for quite a while. I thought perhaps Io was going to get out of it, but yeah. she sort of struggled and um, had to tap out in the end. Yeah, I remember at one point she tried to roll through and pin Shayna when she was caught in the clutch, kind of similar to the finish to the Stain Baszler match from uh, from Takeover Brooklyn Four last year, but uh, Baszler was able to get out of it. And I think it's uh, the long like it was in on for a long time. I think that really helped build the tension because it looked like she was fighting it and the crowd were getting behind her. But then she realised she couldn't get out of it, and I think she allowed to take tap rather than pass out. Yeah, and then you had the ending segment where um, you know just went crazy and. Shayna, as Shayna was celebrating, holding the belt up, she uh, attacked her from behind with a kendo stick. And as Shayna lay in the ring, you could see the uh, the welts and marks on her back. He uh, really went to town on her. And then she did the the moonsault with the chair, which I've never seen done like that before. I've seen it where they've placed the chair on the prone um, wrestler, but not hold it to your chest while you, you leap off and do the salt. And, that looked like it hurt both competitors. It was it was a mad spot that I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it was it was strange to see her kind of both become so vicious uh, after the match when she was maybe the face of the two, and you could see Kansley had a bit of hesitation when she handed you the chair. So I'm quite intrigued to where this goes because I could see this either in Toronto being Baszler and you again, but this time a no DQ match or a triple threat with those two and Candice. Yeah, I'm hoping we get a rematch and, yeah, maybe uh, no DQ or another last woman standing. I still have fond memories of the Asker and Nikki Cross um, last standing match, which I think was a TV match. Yeah. Which, yeah, uh, it WWE. yeah, it was weird that they, they let that match be on TV rather than a takeover, but it was a really good match. So, uh, yeah, it was interesting, and I said I hope uh, Shayna will lose it soon, whether it be you or Candice, because like I said, other than those two, NXT in the women's division is almost running out of, kind of strong contenders, given that Shayna's held on to it for, for so long, and I never want a reign that I've enjoyed to get to a point where you're kind of wishing for a person to lose, because you never want it to become boring or anything. Yeah, no, I also think main roster is crying out for Bays, a heel like Baser as well. I think she could have a really good match with um, Becky Lynch, and I almost feel Shane perhaps should be the one to take the Raw title off Lynch as well. Yeah, make Becky, uh, make Becky more of an underdog again, and perhaps reheat her up a bit. Yeah, I think if she does intro and all the, uh, they tried to make the Raw after SummerSlam kind of on a similar level to. Rotomania with the, the occasional call up, and I think her being called up on the Raw after SummerSlam, or even having her appear on SummerSlam itself, would be a perfect moment for for her debut. Yeah, and I'd have a I'd have a straight into a feud with Becky Lynch personally, not 
not 50-50 booking in matches with Naomi or some rubbish like that. Yeah, but after that match, uh, I want to talk about it here because I believe this is where the announcement happened. We had the, yes. uh, they were teasing a big announcement relating to NXT UK, and that was revealed to be NXT TakeOver Cardiff, which will go down on August 31st. Uh, uh, quite a surprising date, considering that is also the date of uh, not only New Japan and London, but uh, All Out, the next big AEW preview. I mean, they've got two shows in between that, but that is the next big one because that's the most year after all in going back to the same arena. Yeah, it might clash with the New Japan show, but it, it shouldn't really bother all out because um, I'm assuming TakeOver Cardiff will go out probably about 8 o'clock Greenwich Mean Time. Um, and all that will probably be on, what, 12, 1 in the morning like they normally are. So it shouldn't really affect all out, but it might. Yeah, it might clash with the New Japan show, which will be interesting. Yeah. Other than the, the day and the conspiracy theories around that, what do you think of the announcement of another UK takeover? Yeah, I mean, I was wondering if they were going to do another one, and I hadn't heard any rumblings until this announcement, and I think Cardiff's as good a place as any, so yeah, I am looking forward to it. It'd be interesting to see what the card is. Will they have another... Walter um, done match or would it be the uh, what they called the the imperialism or something like that that, that new group Imperium maybe Imperium against British Strong Style something something like that maybe. Uh, like I say, I don't like uh, spoiling because I remember I was at the the Glasgow tapings which they're currently airing now and there's two episodes. Ah uh, right, so uh, you know a bit more then. <laughs> well, I know that. The the current number one contender on that show, but I don't know because I've got two sets of tapings before between now and Cardiff uh, download and in Plymouth, so I don't know if the person who became the number one contender in Glasgow will be the same person to challenge in in Cardiff, or if they'll have the match before then have someone else kind of step up. But I'd yeah, like, I think probably maybe builds. It'd be interesting to see where they go. And also who challenges Tony Storm as well. Yeah, uh, I remember a lot of people were hoping for Tegan Knox if she's fit enough to maybe make an appearance. I mean, she yeah, she might, make, she might make an appearance or maybe her actual comeback then, but I'd, I'd be surprised if she is actually ready to wrestle by now because it was a nasty injury. And mm-hmm. they were talking about, as well as coming back, that she might need to alter her style as well to protect yeah. her knees a bit more. Uh, I remember, and you can have a feeling that like the uh, Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webb still have a big show, and maybe they'll be challenging for the titles, or maybe Andrews will be continuing his issues with with Nolan Dar because Nolan Dar in recent episode uh, of pretended to have injured his knee again. In order yeah, I did to see him. that one. Yeah, that was quite clear. I thought it was a work that time. It was it was quite a quite a clever spot that was. Yeah, and it's interesting Cardiff as well because they went in Blackpool. That made sense, even though it's not a town that we would usually go. But it was fun because that was the same place as the UK tournament. But I like the idea that they're going somewhere different for the next year, not somewhere because that's them. They'd go somewhere like like the Eudorius, like London or Manchester or something like that, somewhere in England. But they went somewhere else. 
Yeah, it's cool. It's nice that they're spreading it out around the, the whole UK. Yeah, and I remember it was ages ago I heard this, but the talk was there was going to be five US takeovers a year and three UK ones a year, so I don't know. But you've got this one in August. I don't know if maybe that means we'll get a third one this year, maybe in November or something like that. Yeah, somewhere in Scotland, perhaps if they've done England and Wales already. Yeah, no, in their luck, uh, they won't get the wait ages to get to Scotland, even though they've done teams. They'll probably go to Ireland next. <laughs> just, to, just to annoy us. <laughs> I mean, nothing against Ireland. I'd happily go to, Ir- happily go to Ireland. Uh, I went to the Blackpool takeover. I don't know if I'll be able to go to Cardiff, sadly, but. Yeah, no. Oh, that must have been pretty awesome then to go to the uh, the Blackpool takeover. You did well to get tickets because they went out super fast as well, didn't they? Yeah, I had to make sure I was on as soon as they went on sale. And I think, well, like, because I was so certain Joe Coffey was going to take the belt, and not just because he's Scottish, but because of the way he'd been built up on TV. And uh, I thought I had to be there when Pete lost if he was going to lose, but unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be. No, I had I had heard rumblings about Volta coming in, and I did suspect that Dunn might hold on to the belt to drop it to Volta, which I proved to be correct with. Yeah, and we had, uh, although I did get you there when uh, Finn Balor made a surprise appearance to take on Devlin, so at least I got that. And yeah, yeah, that was a great treat. That was um, Balor mm-hmm. being on the card. Yeah. Because they didn't really seem to have much with Banks and Dylan, and then they swerved us and they gave us this, which I was more than happy to have. Yeah, what a, a swerve people can live live with. Yeah, but uh, this has already been too long being the NXT UK show. It's maybe a bit takeover 25, so we'll move on after the, this big announcement. We have Stephen McMahon in the crowd, so there you go. There's the latest signing to, to NXT, Stephen McMahon. Did you notice he was just a stone's throw away from her as well? This, I didn't see her, but I've heard people saying it was Burt Baker. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, she's there to support her. Is she married to Cole, or are they... At least they're dating, at least. I don't know if they're... Yeah, yeah. To to support a significant other anyway, uh, Adam Cole. So that's why she was there, but <laughs> quite funny. Yeah. So surprised WWE never really made more of an effort to sign her, to be honest. Yeah, I think... I think just AEW was quicker than they were. Like, I really thought AEW or that or would have signed Tessa Blanchard because she was at All In and I know she kind of turned into WWE, but I thought she would have been perfect for AEW, but Impact got in there first. Yeah, yeah. This, they, um, they quickly signed up Grace as well when it was leaked out. She wasn't actually signed up with them, so they acted quick to make sure she didn't go anywhere either. What did you think of Adam Cole's entrance, he had a, a performance wrapped uh, to the ring and I thought it was a bit foreboding because in the history of wrestlers being played live to the ring about 90% of the time that person often loses Yeah, that's true um, Yeah, I enjoyed the wrapping I'm, is he, is he, I'm not too sure if he's anyone really famous he's no one I've particularly heard of but it was really good, I enjoyed it it was a fun entrance yeah, I love the wrestling flowy, I've seen he does these YouTube videos where he does raps about certain wrestlers and you know, so I don't know who somebody in the XE office must have been watching one of his videos and decided we need something for Cole's entrance, let's get this guy on the phone Yeah, well, it's a good idea and I managed it was rehearsed a few times as well I should think so, yeah. good on them And, and what... 
and we had uh, Johnny coming out in his Captain Marvel inspired gear this time. Yeah, I like the way he's going through like the DC universe with uh, his different attires. Yeah, and he also does it in a way to represent his mood as well because he went like sort of Venom and Punisher as well when he was going a bit heelish, and then as he went back face, he went into Iron Man. So he yeah. works it really well. He puts thought into it. Yeah, I remember he uh, he did the Phoenix from X Men when he was at in the Phoenix uh, takeover, which was meant to be. Which in, which in the Phoenix character was you know, an evil corrupt and a good character, which is when he was teasing being aligned with with Champ again, which made sense with the storyline. Yeah. Just weird like, little things that Gargano does with his gear, which is good for like people like us to pick up on. But uh, were you excited for this match going after the, the two or three falls match a few months ago? I was actually, because they wrestled such a good match. And I know you can say, oh, you get um, bored of seeing the same match. But it's a bit different on main roster, as we've already said. They seem to limit the the wrestlers to a, a set few moves, and they rarely do anything different. But you know on a takeover, they're, they're going to bang out some different moves and possibly one, possibly brand new moves or moves they haven't used since their indie days. So, yeah. so you know you're going to get something different. Yeah, and talking about Mr. I like that uh, Cole started to use the Panama Sunrise. Uh, now, uh, he tried, to, he kept going for it a lot in this match. Like, there's a whole thing, he kept using that, and eventually that would pay off for him in the end. And I like that this match got a lot of time because you knew the two or three falls match was going to get a lot of time, whereas this one, it was one fault to a finish, and they kind of took the time to tell us the way and let it build. Yeah, it's almost it's almost been a good thing in that respect that they banned such manoeuvres like power drivers and um, um, oh, what, what's the Panama Sunrise like a Canadian destroyer type manoeuvre, yeah. isn't it? Because now when you see it, you pop really hard because you're so surprised to to see wrestlers pull it off in the WWE. Of course, you you'll see them in New Japan and Indies and what have you. But if you're yeah. like me and most mostly watch WWE, it's you're like, oh wow, he's pulled that out. Yeah, I remember surprised at the start of the year, Remus Fuel kept busting out the Canadian shores, which was a big surprise. I think they the only trusted in performers that they know can do it safely because Remus Fuel will probably know how to do it. Adam Cole's used that move in the Indies, so he would know kind of how to do it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I got, you know, you want wrestlers to be safe, so you don't want them breaking out these sort of moves too often, to be fair. And it keeps them special out in, as well, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, Johnny kind of showcases his name, Johnny Wrestling, with a lot of different submission holds. He, he kept going after the armor call, which is good because that involved kind of he bending the arm back slightly when he looks in the Gargano skate, whereas Cole uh, went after the leg of Gargano, which played in uh, the finish, which we'll get to, but I did like little sequences like Gargano teases down through the ropes and then they catch Cole out because Cole was going to go for a super kick and he faked him out before hitting the move. Which reminds me of when uh, AJ kind of faked Orton out with a phenomenal form RKO spot. Yeah, it was, um, again, they've got great chemistry, these pair, and they're, they're both just so good. I mean, how would you rate... Um, Gargano um, is, is one of the better wrestlers. Where would you put him? I think he's 
I think he's quite near the top in terms of like wrestlers next year with all the like the, they've got a lot of top wrestlers. But I think in terms of consistency, Gargano has built out like great match after great match. So I think he's one of the best they've got in the moment. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see him against uh, Kenny Omega and uh, Okada, to be honest. I think there could be some uh, terrific matches if they could ever happen in yeah. one form or another. Yeah, it seems weird. A lot of the people he, he comes across in NXT, he kind of has already come across because he came in through, he didn't come through promotions like Ring of Honor or Japan, he came through kind of Evolve, and that does seem to be, you look at surely Evolve and PWG. A lot, this lot of talent that are in NXT now have been in the past came through there. So it's weird that when you think we're gonna probably wrestle a lot of these guys like a bunch of times on the Indies, he still can have such great matches with them. Yeah, he's um, he is well both for so good. I mean, Cole's not too far behind him to be honest. Yeah, I've yet to see him have a a really bad match. Yeah, uh, the whole thing was. Cole in this match was trying to prove that he could beat Gargano on his own. They had a spot where Cole kind of teased getting a chair when the referee tried to stop him. Uh, he used that to pull the referee in the way of Gargano, so the referee got taken out, and they kind of teased Gargano that he was going to call it for the Undisputed Era, but turns out it was a ruse, and Cole kind of went for a variation of the sunrise between the ropes, kind of driving Gargano's head into the mat, but that wasn't enough uh, to get it. The Gargano goes for a kind of a dive, he's laid to kind of give out, and that allows Cole to hit the Panama Sunrise, followed by the last shot to the back of the head, and Adam Cole is the new NXT champion. Was this a shot to you, given how quick how quickly Gargano has lost it after gaining it in New York? Yeah, I was a little bit surprised, as considering it's been such a, a long road to him getting the NXT title, and he... He barely had the North American Championship for a couple of weeks as well um, until Dream defeated him for it. So I thought they might give him at least one title defence, but yeah, uh, yeah. No, they passed the torch to Adam Cole. But adversely, on the flip side, Cole, I think, needed um, to win it as well because he, he does tend to lose, even though he has great performances, he does tend to lose more often than he wins. And he's, you know, his debut was quite a, a shocking one when he came out and uh, him and Fish and O'Reilly attacked Drew McIntyre. And I thought he was going to be the next one to get the title belt then, but it's taken him a, a couple of years to get there as well. Yeah. Uh, I think also his title reign, Gargano, along with Champa, that they won it in November, but then they would lose it in January. The authors of pain, so Gargano tends to chase titles, but he doesn't get to hold on to them for very long. But I think they, they're doing that because they worry about how people respond to a face like Gargano, who's always so over in the chase of the title. But like, you don't want them to get stale once they've got the title. Because even just in this match, Gargano is there were kind of more cheers for Cole than there was for Gargano. Yeah, yeah, no, that is true. Some some wrestlers are better at, at chasing than actually being being champion. And it'd be interesting to see what happens with Gargano now. I mean, I, I'd rather him stay in NXT because I just I just don't see him fitting in in Vince McMahon's main roster because he's quite a lot smaller than some of the stars that uh, Vince likes to push. 
Yeah, and I was actually starting to think that Cole wouldn't actually ever help hold the, the NXT title because I thought the purpose with the North American belt is that there's only so many people that can be the main champion in NXT. So this was kind of said that people that people can come in NXT and hold this title even if they're not if they don't have plans for them to win the NXT title. I thought Cole being the first champion that was kind of a thing where we want Cole to be a champion, but we don't have plans for him to be the NXT champion. Yeah, and there's been a bit of tension between Cole and Riddle, so whether Riddle might be his first defence, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see who he who he goes against next. Yeah, and I think it was good at Cole one because to have all four members of the Undisputed Era walk out with a loss would have been a bit damaging, especially since how strong they looked in the go-home episode when they're all posing at the top of the ramp on the ladder. But uh, I'm, I'm curious to see if this will kind of lead to... If they'll say that they're strong now that they've got the belt, but maybe they'll then continue to build the issues between Strong and Cole because they kind of teased that, but then said, oh, no, they've patched it up and now... Yeah, Cole... Um... Oh, Strong might fancy uh, another shot at the title, mightn't he? So you you never know. Uh, I remember I was fancy picking as I often do. My theory was that maybe in Toronto, Cole will retain that. Yeah, Fish and O'Reilly might beat the Street Profits for the tag titles, but uh, Strong will unsuccessfully challenge the Dream for the North American belt, and maybe well, kind of that he kind of caused them kind of ruin the whole prophecy of. In 2018, we'll all be draped in gold. Cole maybe seen as the weak link and kind of kick him out, which could lead to strong v Cole for the title. Yeah, you never know. I, I, I thought it was heading that way at one stage, but now he's got the belt. I'm, I'm not too sure, to be honest. It'll be interesting to see what they decide to do. Uh, I, I do think you're on the right track with Tom about Riddle being that guy, because I thought it was going to be Riddle Gargano in Toronto. Uh, I think if Riddle's going to take the title, it's better to do it with Cole because when you have kind of a face v face with Gargano and as it would be with Gargano and Riddle, you you risk one boot one face being booed because the crowd prefer the other. Yeah, unless Riddle goes up because uh, I'd have thought it'd be the sort of talent Fox would like to have on SmackDown once they're once they're broadcasting SmackDown. So oh. interesting to see. Yeah, well, I think he has been kind of teasing our main roster call because he's always said he wants to be the guy that retires Brock Lesnar. And depending on what time you're listening to this, uh, we were going this on a Monday. Uh, Brock has claimed he's going to cash in tonight, where, and then Riddle seems to said, I'll see you then. Yeah, I mean, that would be pretty cool if he did uh, pop up. I mean, both are former MMA fighters, so it would... It would definitely be a, a cool showdown between those two. Yeah, because often, for a while, it seemed like it wasn't going to happen because Brock seemed to have one foot out the door. But given that he, he won the way, I just uh, see that he's is going to imply that he's sticking around for a while. So if he can be around long enough for you know, Riddle to have that match with Riddle, I think people will be fine with that. Yeah, I think that would um, sell a lot of tickets and it might even pique people's interests. Outside of wrestling as well as as their two former MMA fighters. Yeah, especially if you can have like the two of them on SmackDown when it's on Fox and they can represent it as a kind of a proper like sporting kind of similar build similar yeah. to how they would build an MMA fight. 
they could sort of have a sort of like worksheet sort of match, couldn't they? Yeah. Uh, how would you rate NXT? Yeah, take twenty-five. Like overall, like what were your thoughts as the show? Yeah, I thought it was a really strong show. I mean, it's almost uh, what's the, what's the word? It's, you know, it's, every takeover is the best one yet, and this felt yeah. no different. To be honest. Yeah. Um, I don't think there was a bad match on the card. I mean, a lot of people tend to like to um, rag and pull apart Shayna Baszler matches, but I, I always enjoy her matches, and I thought this one with Io was a, a really strong showing. Loved the ladder match. The opener was was strong. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a, a brilliant show. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think there was a, wasn't as much anticipation going into it because it was back in the middle of... Uh, Double or nothing and uh, Super Showdown, so people can almost for, would be forgetting for forgetting this was happening. But I think definitely it delivered as most of the takeovers do. You had for the most part, I think you had the right people winning, and even if you don't agree with some of your interests to see what happens next, like you've got the undisputed there as the dominant heel faction now. They've got the belt. You're just, I'm interested to see where Tyler Breeze goes from here. Uh, a lot of people are trying to compare this and Double or Nothing. I don't think it's that's really fair. I think it's just, just enjoy both of them, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, the difference, the different sort of shows, really. So I, I don't think you can compare them. Yeah. But I mean, they're, they're both, they were both excellent, and I enjoyed them both. I, I don't feel I have to pick yeah. a favourite out of those two shows, to be honest. Yeah, because they both feature a lot of great wrestling on them. And I should have mentioned at the top of the show, but... Uh, I don't know if you caught this line from Nigel McGuinness, or if it was Nigel or Morrow, but no, it was Nigel. That, yeah, I know the one you mean. Yeah, Fair to NXT is the true alternative in sports entertainment. Yeah, it was uh, it was great, and I know uh, there'll be people in the Rogue Opinions office that'll be devastated. Hunter didn't um, pull out a, a fake husky <laughs> and put it down. Yes. Or bring out the dusty statue and smash yeah. that in the slideshow. <laughs> that, that seemed to be the theory. But uh, I think, given that it was a, almost a message to Triple H more so than WWE with Cody's entrance, that that people were surprised there wasn't much reference to it on the weekly TV. I think if there was going to be any kind of sh- shot back at AEW, it was going to be here, and it did seem to be. But last week, I think is. If, it, if the war is between NXT and AEW rather than WWE and AEW, then it's a more even playing field with NXT than just WWE as a whole. Yeah, because the main roster is it's just a mess at the moment. There's no two ways about it. Yeah, definitely. But like I said, definitely a strong show from top to bottom. I don't like saying, well, oh, is this the best league or where is this compared to other takers? Because they're just each one consistently is so good that I don't think it's fair to compare. I was a few months back in February, I remember we were doing, I was on a part of a show where we talked about the greatest matches and you said, okay, everybody go back and pick one match from each takeover and then rank them from first to last. I'm like, you can't ask me to do that. <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's impossible. I mean, there's just so many great matches. I mean, how can you pa- compare Gargano and Cole to... Gargano and Andrade, which was uh, another superb match. 
Yeah, this is all before, like, this is, this, this show was, like, before uh, TakeOver New York, so, like, not that that made it any easier, like, I think a lot of people <laughs> were of the opinion that Gargano Champa was definitely near the top for a lot of people, but other than that, it was a fight. <laughs> Yeah, excellent. So, you got any uh, any plugs you want to make uh, before we close the show? Uh, yeah, we uh, we are going to be plugging again very soon. We did we talked about uh, doing a show for Super Showdown, but like we both agreed, uh, we don't really have any interest in that because two days later there's a show that will likely be even better, which is New Japan's annual summer show Dominion, and we decided we're going to do a show covering that, which will Feature Jericho challenging Okada for the IWG Championship, uh, Kota Ibushi and Naito in a rematch for the Intercontinental title, and possibly an appearance from John Moxley. So, in the near future, we will be bringing you a podcast looking at New Japan's Dominion. Yeah, I'm excited about um, Jericho versus Okada. It's a match that's never happened before. And uh, it should be really good. I mean, Okada can have great matches with anybody, and so can Jericho these days, even at nearly 50. So yeah. it's definitely going to be a, a great card, as well as Ibushi and Naito. I imagine that'll be a, a fantastic match as well. Yeah, it's one of the things with Jericho and Okada, you don't really know what to expect, and I think that's what adds to your anticipation. Yeah, I mean, you'd expect Okada to retain, but you just you just never know. Yeah, uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to our look back at TakeOver 25. I hope you enjoyed TakeOver as much as we did. Uh, let us know if you have an opinion of which one was better or if you just preferred both to let us know uh, on Twitter at Rogue underscore Opinions on Twitter or I believe it's at Rogue underscore Opinions on Instagram as well. Uh, you can stay tuned on all podcasting sites for that Dominion show as well as all our previous podcasts, our Double or Nothing show, Keefe uh, Core, all the great podcasts we're doing. And, and uh, opinions are strange when me and Nathan take a look at the popular computer game, Life is Strange. So that'll definitely be worth a listen for anybody who's, who's interested. Uh, episodes one and two are already available. Yeah, and uh, we are, we're always thinking of new ideas for podcasts and other things so you should stay tuned on social media for that carl uh, have you got anything to plug yeah no just the opinions are strange one um ben and nathan's ramblings i'm not too sure if they've got a proper name for that <laughs> as yet but you can find me at uh, carlos underscore fire 89 on twitter and the same for instagram as well so please check us out uh i don't have an instagram because i i've never seen the point in it but Fair dues, uh, you can get me to our at Scott McLeod 1996 because I couldn't think of a better name than that. I'm very basic. No, uh, I'm struggling for mine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like I said, I hope you all enjoyed NXT and I hope you stay tuned for future podcasts, including our show on Dominion. Until then, see you next time. Bye.